Waking Wraith, written by Alexander Campbell, narrated by Alexander Campbell. Chapter 5. The Fairy Diesel Bus. After eating a feast, the three of them sat nursing their bellies. Katie brought up the subject of Wraith, as Stride listened and stirred a tea often. After a novel's worth of dialogue, she said whilst Katie gulped her, Katie, how do you know it's really him? He's a skaghead. He probably thought you'd give him money, so he agreed with you. Benny tightened his lips and nodded. Katie said, OK, you're both sceptical. I get that. I just know it was him. The problem is, Astride, you've seen Festavia, but you haven't seen him. Let's go back and talk to him, Astride said. Benny, can you come? He said, no thanks, not two trips down the rabbit hole. Let's try meditation instead. They sat in a circle. Before Astride began chanting, Benny said, hey, Astride, I doubt this will work for me, but if you see Wraith in your dream thing, draw a picture of him as soon as you wake. Nodding, Astrid continued her dreamy verses. Then, without warning, Katie was flying back above the palace. The tower stood lonely and tall. No longer hesitant or curious, she dived straight down to the middle of the ruins and hovered over the exposed, rotten dance floor. The undergrown moss and the forest ferns had reclaimed most of it. She landed on its railings. Where is he? she thought. Perching on the opposite rail, across the floor, was another sparrow. She thought, good, she's here. The sparrow fluttered and jumped up and down. God, even as a sparrow, she's bossy. Not being able to talk, Katie chirped. She chirped back. They didn't understand each other. Katie circled above her, chirping. Eventually, after a long chirping persuasion, she took off and followed her. Soaring high into the clouds, she scanned the vast land. To satisfy her own curiosity and to prove to the others, she had to find Wraith. The land was strangely free of parties. Not knowing how long she had, she vigorously flapped. Flying as a sparrow was effortless. The winds lifted and propelled her to anywhere she chose. Aiming for a valley, lying between two mountains, she soared. Between the looming mountains were a cluster of abandoned tents. It must be out of season, she thought. Before reaching a stadium car from the mountainside, she noticed a rabble of people gathered in the open. 90s dance music echoed all around the valley. Some appeared to dance, but others stood lost and vacant. Tilting her head down, she dived to take a closer look. Skimming across the heads, she could see they were dressed in all manner of attire. Some wore shirts and smart trousers, but others looked like wraith on earth, grubby and unclean. There were also a few people oddly wearing ceremonial military uniforms. What a random lot, she thought. Stacked on a pile of event programmes, were two fairies singing Achy Breaky Heart by Bill Ray Cyrus. The crowd danced like electrified zombies. To her shock, some vanished into thin air. As no harm had come to them, it meant they were earthlings. She landed further back on an exposed skeleton of a tent. Joined by Astride, they nestled closer together and watched the discombobulated crowd. Several more people vanished. A man with a silver waistcoat and a blue sash around his waist pushed to the front of the crowd and silenced the fairies. He shouted desperately, Party, party, let yourself go. This is Festavia. Don't vanish. When you vanish, you go to that which is not known. Stay, party and return to Earth. But he failed to hold their attention and more vanished. Captain Cash, Katie thought. Oh my, he sucks at organising raves. She was pleased to have seen a familiar face, but this was not the Festavia she remembered. This was depressing. If it had been like that when she'd visited, 
she would have vanished too. A man wearing an officer's military uniform cast his peak cap to the floor, loosened his top buttons and strayed from the crowd. He strolled into the waist-height valley grass. Katie watched him intently. He looked haunted. His green jacket fell to the floor, exposing his broad, bold upright figure, and like a painting exposed to the sun, he faded out of existence. Above the music boomed a theatrical, distinctive voice. Katie's feathers ruffled. Hello, my good-spirited souls. I admire your efforts for avoiding me, but you are only delaying things. Delays are an absolute annoyance. A jointy man riding a white mannequin horse circled the crowd. He sung his words and wore to what Katie guessed was a pimped-up red Victorian officer's tunic. His hair was long, white and pumped with volume, flashes of pink within it. Lutz was his name, and he was even more made up than she remembered. Some members of the crowd froze, while others took little notice. Captain Cash tried his best to remain defiant. Clenching his fists, he shouted, You will never win, Lutz. Festeva is bigger than you. You cannot survive here. You're like a germ trying to swim in a shot of Balkan vodka. Oh, Captain, you would have made a great officer, but your conduct cannot be tolerated. Lutz rode his horse up to the programmes and extended his arm. His quelled cuff drew back. His long, bony white fingers waggled in curiosity. The fairies quivered and shook in fright. He said, There, there, my dears, don't be afraid. I'm the giver of life. However, there will be a price. You have defied me. With a finger, he stroked under their chins. Frozen, they closed their eyes. Zap! A spark of energy shot from his finger and turned the fairies instantly into white mannequins. A gift of life with a price of eternal servitude to me. Behind the tents and stalls emerged an army of white and motionless mannequins. Their outfits matched Lutz's extravagant theme. They wore bright neon-coloured shell suits, pink headbands, grilled sunglasses, pink tutus and plenty of denim. Unbeknown to the ravers, the cold, deathly mannequins encircled them. They raised their hands. Methodically and mercilessly, they chopped. The circle grew smaller and smaller until it was just one raver dancing with his head down, bopping to his own groove. The music had long gone. Weeping, the captain sunk to his knees, holding his head in his hands. Katie and Astride reluctantly stayed back. Against all her will to fight, Katie watched and held one wing across Astride's puffed chest. Parting the circle with a breaststroke, Lutz gestured to his mob. Prancing and skipping around the man, he laughed and he said in a rising high-pitched tone, This one is away with the fairies. He's really escaped to Festavia. Remarkable. Inspecting and sniffing him, he said, How fascinating. I wonder what it's like to be in a bubble such as him. Nothing matters but the party in his head. Little does he know of the gift he shall receive. Hey, Captain Cash. Lutz sparked his finger and said, Answer me, Captain. There was no answer. The mannequins stood quiet and still. With their arms raised, Lutz looked behind him. You slippery lizard, Lutz said humorously. Then in a twisted rage, he shouted, Find him! From high above, Katie and Astride pursued the captain. He ran at great speed, running, vaulting and diving through abandoned party objects such as an inflatable dolphin, large golden hoops and a cardboard cutter of the artist formerly known as Prince. Even though the captain showed an unprecedented level of speed, the pursuing mannequins were faster and a handful running in his direction spotted him. 
Katie was powerless to warn him. Tripping over a box of glitter, he tumbled and rolled. While he rolled, he shouted, Oh, sod it! Coming to a standstill, he sat up and felt his knee. Ouch! Noticing the mannequins were only 60 metres away, he forgot the pain and tried to stand, and he yelped again. Reaching 10 metres, the mannequin slowed to a walking pace and then eerily encircled him. Sinking to his knees, he gave up. Swish! A rush of wind swept across his head. He thought it was the chops, but then he thought they'd never miss. Peering up and looking through his fingers, he saw a giant ball of hairy black fur. Two golden saucers blinked, and then two satellite ears twitched. The fur lump was the size of a shy horse and purred like an old diesel bus. Blue, cried Captain Cash. Blue chirped. I've come to get you. Daddy needs you. Sighing in relief and dusting his shiny suit down, he said aloud, I don't think I'll ever get used to a talking cat. From high up in the sky, Katie was delighted. Blue, her cat and Festavia, was back. But her adulation was short-lived because a swarm of mannequins, like ants, were pouring all through the runs and gaps in the abandoned festival. Katie flew down and chirped as loud as she could. Blue's ears twitched and flattened. Readying herself, she lay low, wiggled her behind and pounced 30 metres up. Katie panicked and fluttered higher. Blue's razor claws missed by a few inches. Phew, Katie thought. Of course, to her I'm just a bird. Captain Cash bellowed, come on Blue, no time for hunting. Clambering through flapping tents, hordes of mannequins appeared. Blue hissed and snarled, but was calmed by Captain Cash's strokes. He said, Blue, there's too many, we must go. Lowering herself to the floor, he climbed up and tightly held the scruff of her neck. Wooden limbs crunched under her strutting paws and then she broke into a full bound. With agility and grace, she wove around the tent, and very soon they were free, running along the valley ravine. Captain Cash's mid-length hair trailed in the wind. Katie wished that was her. Blue carried the captain all the way up the mountain and to the ruined palace. Just outside, by the moat, she collapsed in the heap. Blue, are you okay? I'm just sleepy. I'm not built for long distance. Please cross the drawbridge and find Daddy. You mean Wraith? Is he in there? Yes, he never left. He keeps saying he needs to guard it. Why, it's a ruin. I don't know. He won't talk. I've been feeding him salmon from the moat, but there's not many left. I'm worried. He tested the creaking drawbridge. It was once the lower lip of the palace's great entrance. It had never been crossed in anger and always kept evil out. Now its chains hung, dangling in the moat below. A gaping hole in the middle exposed a deep drop. He crept carefully around. In the shadow of the jagged walls, he paused and looked down towards the remnants of the dance floor. He sighed. This had been his home. For hundreds of seasons, he had been its devoted event organiser. It had breathed air into his lungs and pumped joy through his heart. His place of being was lost, a ghost of itself. The only voices it spoke were the whispers of the wind creeping through its cracks. Wraith! he shouted into the emptiness. A howl of wind blew. Then, from behind the remains of the stage, where the king and queen once sat, was a crunch of glass. Wraith, is that you? Please don't be a bear. There was more crunching, but instead of fleeing like you should have, he stayed. From the darkness into the dusky twilight, hobbled a man. His hair was long, greasy, blonde and matted. He wore a martial arts tunic that had seen better days. The top three buttons were missing and dirt and mould coloured the purple dye, black and green. His toenails curled over his tips and his feet were raw. Oh, Wraith, what are you doing here? The palace is no more. 
If I'd not fallen, he said, I'd saved it. No, Wraith, you'd have vanished or been captured like everybody else. I'd never been taken. Why stay here, Captain Cash said. Talk about shutting the gate after the horse has bolted. We need your help fighting Lutz, saving who we can. What's out there isn't my concern. All I need is in here. It was for me too, but I left Wraith. You ran. There was a long silence. Captain Cash walked over to the bar. On a rusty stool, he sat down and sadly said, I did, I had no choice. Since then, I spent half a season trying to save Festavians and lost Earthlings. It's impossible. Lutz is winning. Wraith, he's nuts. He wants to end everything. Soon there won't be a Festavia. Wraith looked up at the two sparrows perched delicately on the walls. He said, I thought birds slept at night. Captain Cash said, they've been following me since the ambush. Ambush? Yes, that's why I'm here. Your cat saved me. Lutz found one of our last rave hideouts. He killed everybody. Well, if you insist on raving, what can you expect? You don't get it, do you, Wraith? Without them, earthlings will vanish. Wraith leered over him, and then peered over the rotten bar. He said, why do you care? Because they care about us, Wraith. Earth and Festavia are joined. Their spirit keeps us going. Admittedly, some stay for too long, but we must keep sending them back. Wraith glared at the rusty stall and fiddled with his hair and said, I've never really understood the relationship with Earthlings. They come and go. The only one I ever knew was Katie. You saved her and then she saved us. What about the other Katies? With a hint of sorrow, he asked, What do you want from me? Why are you here? To get you to fight Lutz. We need you. I am but one man. He stared at his disjointed reflection in the bar's broken mirror. He stormed this palace with an army, one which grew infinitely. What can I do? Something, Wraith. Wraith tugged and then he yanked out a ball of knotted hair and murmured, I need a drink. A jet of energy roared behind them. Katie and Astride were wrenched back and awoke cold and wet. Katie's heart thumped through her chest. Benny, she spluttered. You could have killed us. He stood arms crossed and a washing up bowl by his feet. He said, look at the time. He pointed to a clock with a picture of a wolf howling in the moonlight. It read 3am. You went under at 10am. I couldn't wake you both. Clutching a soggy collection of papers, Astride cried, My work! I've got to submit this in two days. Sorry, he said, but I tried everything to wake you. I even played Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go, on full blast, but nothing worked. So it had to be the water. Astride quickly searched under the bed and pulled out a pen and paper. Immediately, she began scribbling. Katie looked into the mirror and dried her face. Her eyes were heavy. She said, I'm shattered. Wait, Astride said. Benny asked, what happened? Are you on drugs? You both sat there like zombies. You hardly breathed and I couldn't wake you. I even made a coffee and you didn't move. Katie said, Benny, we were in Festavia. Without changing his face and acting like he'd been told the world was flat, he said, okay, Katie. What pills were they? Astride finished scribbling and said, look. He took the paper and examined it. He pulled away, raised his eyebrow and peered closer. He said, how did you know his nose was broken? Benny, is that the wraith you met? asked Astride. Yes, but without the tunic, Katie interrupted. Now you believe us? He pondered. There is some evidence. What more do you need? Katie exclaimed. It takes a lot to prove a theory. And even then, there's still the relentless peer review. Something else happened when you went under. What? they both asked. The lights flickered and at times I heard strange ghostly noises. Birds tweeting, arguing and purring. It was freaky. Katie put her hands together and exclaimed, 
That's Festavia, Astride said. Blue's awesome, but what's up the Wraith? He's a mess. He looks like he'll turn the bathwater black. He's not how you described, she answered. I don't know, he wasn't like that before. He's as bad as the Wraith here. Festavia's in a mess too. That Lutz, he's a total maniac, Astride said. Why is he turning people into mannequins or vanishing everyone? I don't know. When I left he was defeated. He was just a nuss that lived in the palace's secret tunnel. He was obsessed with me, so when I left I thought that would be it. Benny laughed and sarcastically said, So you're Helen of Troy? Well, he did have quite a thing for me, Astride tuttered. He must have wanted something other than Katie's beautiful vision. He looks like a crazed man with a plan. What was Captain Cash saying about saving earthlings? How many people visit there and why? I don't know. I thought it was just me and a few others, mainly rockers and pop artists. But it seems more go there too. I was told you can't stay there for too long. If you do, you go somewhere which is not Earth or Festavia. Benny interjected. Death? She grimaced. I think so. Astride said. So it's a limbo? I don't think so. Otherwise, anybody could be there. There wasn't many earthlings there, just a few. It's all so confusing. Benny said, Yep, it is. Let's get some sleep and talk about it tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Waking Wraith. Please follow Festavia on Instagram and Facebook.